Bishop Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs. And I am Jerusalem Greer. And I'm Brian Sellers Peterson. And this is the Spade Spoon Soul, a podcast about all the ways our food intersects with our faith from seed to spade to spoon. And today we have an extra special guest. He's coming back, Derek Weston, our producer is here. And we are going to have our first Christmas edition of the podcast and have a conversation about all the ways in which our food nourishes us during some of these most important holy days. Yes, I am so excited about this conversation because I love holiday food probably more than any other food. Like, I just want to have holiday food all the time. So I'm excited to hear about everyone's food traditions and any kind of agricultural tradition, but really your food traditions around the holidays. So um, who wants to go first? Who wants to jump in? And it can be about, so we're recording this actually on uh, St. Lucia Day or St. Lucy Day, if anybody knows that feast. Um, it's really popular in um, Sweden. And so there's a lot of food associated with that. But between all the feast days, between um, just right, like our family's traditions um, and then our liturgical traditions, there's a ton of food that runs from Advent through Christmas tide. So who wants to just jump in and start telling us about some of their favorite food traditions? Lots of different food traditions. Um, and my favorite food tradition that um, I've shifted a little bit uh, with my own family, but is uh, Christmas Eve. And the tradition that we had in, because our family, we lived in a little town in Minnesota, college town, and we would all pack up and head down to Northeast Nebraska, uh, to Laurel, Nebraska, and Plainview, Nebraska, and we balanced between our grandparents' houses. But we would have on Christmas Eve, oyster stew. Not a lot of oyster beds in, in Nebraska, um, so they were canned oysters, <laughs> but it was basically canned oysters in this milk milky broth, and um, they were all teetotalers um, because I would have, you know, oyster stew um, with a shot of bourbon is fantastic, uh, but um, uh, no one thought of that back then but i love that i love the little oyster crackers but that's always been something that makes me feel good when i think about that memory and so what we do out here in in seattle is a little more connected to the ocean um, we have um, usually and some years we do and some years we don't but we have crab legs um in you know from the Puget Sound area. And uh, just fun sitting around the table, just making a big mess of things. So uh, seafood, and there's some great other traditions around seafood. I forget the dish, um, it's an Italian dish, um, of the, a seafood uh, stew. We've substituted in there occasionally that um, is a tradition in Italy. So seafood is what connects me, especially. I'm going to, I'm going to dovetail off of your uh, referencing the 
the shot of bourbon that you would have had uh, while you were with, with your uh, with your family. Um, anyone who follows me on Instagram knows that one of the traditions in my life, my wife has for the last couple of years bought me a bourbon advent calendar. It's not proper advent. It is, um, it's, you know, the days of December, um, you know, it's secular advent, but um, I am a person who deals with like seasonal blues. Like once, once the days start getting shorter, I, you know, mood kind of goes on, on the, on the decline. Um, but every day knowing that I have a little small bottle of, of, <laughs> of, of usually something new that I've never tasted before. And this year, uh, my just to switch it up a little bit it's a scotch advent calendar so um for all of my presbyterian friends it's a little bit more you know focused on where i'm the lane i'm supposed to be in so um that it's it's weird that that's one of the things that you know it it makes me feel festive it gets me in 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 the holiday spirit no pun intended but it, it is one of those things that's kind of a tradition that's become a tradition that uh is kind of around my around my holidays and and uh i don't know i love it <laughs> well i can't believe i've not been on your instagram until this very minute I'm scrolling <laughs> going, oh my goodness oh Derek, i can't wait to meet you in person this, um, we've been doing this podcast and i have just enjoyed getting to know your um food ways and and interests and um and i think we just need to have a meal together <laughs> My family of origin did not have a lot of food traditions for Christmas. We just did different things. And so as an adult, I've really wanted to create those traditions and rituals around food, which is partly why I find myself in this conversation with you all as having created that over the years. And so what this time of year typically means for me is lots of cookie baking. And um, there was a stint in which I would just spend, I would send out cookies across the country and I would pick up the Bon Appetit or the Gourmet Magazine of the month and just work all their cookies and <laughs> experiment with different ones every year and just, you know, buy out all the shelves of flour and butter. And, um, and that to me, that rhythm, even though I didn't have any time to do it, it was like cramming in my day or the late, 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 late night, <laughs> the time to get these cookies out the door. That says like holiday, like Christmas is almost here for me. Um, and then, you know, we've, I've done things like the Italian Christmas tradition, just, we could just do something different every year. So it's been all over the place for us as a family. Um, but I'll tell you about what we're going to do this year in, in a minute. We're going to have something really, really different. But um, I want to hear what Jerusalem is up to, what this means for her. Oh, it's so fun listening to everybody's different traditions. And uh, Brian, I will tell you, I've never had oyster anything like as far as like oyster this or oyster that I mean everybody else around me eats oysters but we've never been the kind that have like oysters in our dressing or our stuffing or um any of that stuff so that's that's I would love to try that my boys would really like that anyway so for us a couple of different traditions so when I was younger like like under 12 years old and the big thing to do for Christmas Eve was to go to my grandmother Jackson my father's mother's house family's house and I have all these uncles and all these cousins and it was like a madhouse right like it was just a total madhouse 
of, of raucousness and, and children and food. And, um, but my grandmother did this huge spread on Christmas Eve and she didn't let anybody else help her. In fact, when she designed her house, she purposely had the kitchen made for one person because she didn't want anyone in there. So she had it, she designed it small enough that like nobody else could be in there with her. And it wasn't a pass through room. Like it, it, you know, like the house ended at the kitchen and um, she was a very strategic woman. So, but a couple of the things that she always had was, because you know like she um began cooking in the 50s right and so the things that she had were straight out of like better homes and gardens you know betty crocker kinds of cookbooks um and one of them was a tuna ball which i guess it's like a cheese ball but with tuna in it I know you're making the face. It is so good. It is so good because I mean, y'all, it's just cream cheese and anything you just pour cream cheese into. I mean, right. She had a tuna ball and then, which is, and then she had a shrimp tree and you want to know what a shrimp tree is, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can Google this. I'm going to tell you, but you can also get on Pinterest and like, look up like 1950s shrimp tree or something or retro sh- shrimp tree so it, you would take like a topiary foam piece right like so it could be like in the shape of a tree or whatever and then you would wrap it in green at that time just like green foil or wrapping you know now I I, I have recreated this and I use green wrapping paper and then you take um, like leafy lettuce and attach leafy lettuce over the whole thing I guess for it to be like the pine right and then you put shrimp on um on toothpicks and you just covered that all with shrimp and and I don't do the leafy lettuce part I have like more of like a a modern twist so it's just the green um shiny wrapping paper within the shrimp I'll send you all a picture I have a picture of this and it's on my Instagram probably from two or three years ago you can see it um so (laughs) those are two of like my, those, those two things, um, a few years ago, about five years ago, when we started having a small group, a regular small group from our church, we started doing retro Christmas appetizer party. Like that was our December gathering. Right. And we would all make retro appetizers. So, you know, lots of like meatballs and jelly and, um, pinwheels and somebody always tries to like attempt a jello mold or whatever, but I always make the shrimp tree and the tuna ball and they just ridiculous but they are so good and they are so Christmas to me and now um my kids have even gotten to where they're like even if we can't have small group do this you know because of COVID or, or schedules or whatever can we still have appetizer night so at some point over the next couple of weeks we are still going to have retro appetizer night and I will break out the shrimp tree and do that <laughs> so that's 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 one of the traditions the other tradition is when I was 12 my family moved to Alaska And so we moved um, out of driving distance to go back to Arkansas for Christmas Eve, right? And so we couldn't do Christmas Eve with the family anymore. And so the first year we were in Juneau, my mom, um, you know, we didn't have any family there or whatever. And so my mom tried to do a big Christmas Eve spread. And then we had a church service and then we had to um, get up and she did a second big spread for Christmas Day the next day. And after the first year, she said, I'm never doing that again. It's too much. Like I'm only making one Christmas meal. And so we started going out for Chinese food on Christmas Eve um, before church or after church, depending on what time my dad decided 
outside of the service, you know, like if it was going to be a watch service or if it was going to be like a, a 6 p.m. service. And so now we still do that with our family. We go eat Chinese food depending on which which service we go to and, and, and we go eat and we go eat sit down Chinese, um, like where you order it and they, and you do it family style, um, and then, and have church. So those are our two, I'd say those are the two biggest Christmas food traditions that we have. So Jerusalem, you reminded me of my very favorite Christmas movie of all time. A Christmas story. A Christmas story. <laughs> uh huh. And everyone who's watched that remembers Christmas Eve and, you know, the whole thing that happened with the turkey. But yeah. just, yes. had to, with the, with the just had yeah. to say that because <laughs> I love it because they have the, the Christmas story marathon on television. They just run it nonstop. And so I can kind of dip in and dip out while I'm cooking yeah. um, just for my favorite segments. We do that too. Jennifer, they started on like um, all the Turner channels. So like TNT and TBS, they started at, on Christmas Eve morning and it runs or like afternoon. I'm not sure what the time frame, but it does run for 24 hours. Um, I've never seen it in its entirety. Uh, I and I made the mistake once. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to the play thinking it was something else and I didn't stay after the intermission. I'm like, I don't understand. And everybody else knew exactly what the lines were, where the jokes were coming. And I was like, I I mean, this was maybe 10 years ago when I went to the play when I was still in Syracuse. And I thought, I, I, I'll get caught up on that eventually, but I, I haven't. So I'll, maybe this is the year. No, as a child, I hated that movie because I just, it's not really for children, right? And, and I mean, it's children can watch it, but the story isn't for children. It's, it's for adults. And you know, I hated that movie and hated that movie. And then I grew up and I got married and I had two boys. And then all of a sudden I was like living that movie. <laughs> so now I appreciate <laughs> it. You'll, you'll, you'll shoot your eye out. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have. <laughs> yes. I mean, we're the kind of family that, yeah. So I just, but, and I sympathize. If you go back and watch it, like I just sympathize with the mother so very much, like just yeah. so very much. Anyway. <laughs> well, I'm resisting the temptation to reference the movie Elf and all the food traditions from that movie. I'm resisting. Thank you. Oh, Thank I you. love Elf. I can watch Elf nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my maple syrup and my spaghetti already. <laughs> change the subject because I will not be able to make it through this podcast. I'm going to be on the floor laughing. Um, <laughs> just the images of Elf. So um, for this Christmas, I'm so excited because I um, we have some Bahamian relatives who live here in Indianapolis. Um, my One of my nephews who with whom are very close and we haven't been able to get together as much because of the pandemic and young children unvaccinated, etc. But this Christmas, we'll be able to be together and then Another nephew, I have many, many nieces and like hundreds of nieces and nephews, um, and they're going to come up. What my husband Harrison has said is they'll just come in on Christmas morning and start cooking. And I'm like, OK, so I don't know all of what we'll be having, but um, I'm looking forward to being surprised and to just being a sous chef as we um, indulge in those kinds of foods that are like fish oriented, seafood oriented, they're going to bring some of that up and we'll see. But it's kind of different to not be the one at the command center on Christmas. But we will always have in the morning 
our tradition is to have um, homemade buttermilk waffles and bacon and fruit. So, um, you know, we use a couple of pounds, I mean, like tons of butter, tons of buttermilk and, <laughs> um, and just make, I don't know, a couple of dozen Belgian waffles and just feast on that. That sounds so good. So how about the rest of you? What, what is Christmas morning? Um, we get up at our house and do Christmas morning here with our boys. And it kind of varies depending on what we go to my in-laws after for like Christmas afternoon ish. And so it just kind of depends on that meal kind of changes a little bit. Sometimes we've tried to do brunch there and then like another meal may be late in the day. But I recently realized that my mother-in-law is not a brunch person. Like she tries, but like it, it's not that she's anti-brunch but she doesn't have like the love for brunch that I have right you understand like there's some things that people they'll cook but they don't they don't have the passion for it right like she has passion for dinner so like her dinner is amazing so um so I think this year actually we're going to do brunch here and they live close enough to us that they can come over for brunch if if they want to have brunch with us um but my sister-in-law is allergic to eggs and um there's gluten issues and so I just feel like those are the best parts of brunch um so I think we'll probably do brunch here at our house um, with our boys because my boys also love to have crepes on Christmas morning um, and then we'll go over there and let them do their big thing um, for the evening meal so that's because I love a good breakfast casserole man I mean mm. oh yeah oh my goodness I did that one Christmas I think the Christmas of 1998 like breakfast casseroles were featured in Martha Stewart magazine and yeah. A breakfast casserole is the one consistent tradition we have. And it's this egg dish that my wife makes um, kind of from her Swedish background. And that's the only, and with cranberry bread. Um, that's, that's what, and of course, bacon and orange juice. Well, actually mimosas. Um, that's the only common thread that goes through every Christmas because my wife's a nurse so it's sort of she works either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day and so it's always a little different for us but that's the one consistent so um our our one consistent thing and I'm laughing Jerusalem thinking about the the tuna balls because our consistent thing on Christmas morning is sausage balls um yes. which are just, just kind of balls of sausage and cheese and breading and like you know it just becomes a thing and it's like and it's the weird combination of sausage balls cinnamon rolls and mimosas that's Christmas morning um and it's, it's just a very it's a very weird random like no nutritional value kind of thing on Christmas morning um but but there it is I mean it's and it's one of those things you know I don't I don't know if if uh how the rest of you feel about this but like the holidays you know and I, I like kind of having to separate this from from like diet culture and all those kinds of like horrible things that we're fed in the media but like I really do feel like the holidays should be a time for like really real celebration really enjoying the things that you're eating really like letting food be fun and like just just you know you don't have salad on Christmas for me that's what what celebration is about it's like you're you're 
you know, it's not that we're not tending to our bodies, but we are in some ways tending to our souls and our emotions more in that time. And like, we need to allow ourselves space to do that. Sorry to go off on that little bit of a rant, but I, that's just something that I feel about holiday foods. Cause I'm, I'm kind of connecting this thread, like nothing, nothing that we've said so far would be on like a nutritionist plan. Um, so, <laughs> but like all of them sound really joy filled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, like, um, I, I have a predisposition to diabetes in my family. Mm. And so I go on and off intermittent fasting just to kind of help with that. Right. But even if I'm doing intermittent fasting, Sundays is always a feast day for me. Mm. Um, and I don't do it on Sundays because I just feel like it's important to, keep that rhythm of nourishment and that this isn't restriction for like you said diet culture but this is health and part of health in our bodies is honoring the need to feast as well as fast right that there's a a rhythm there and so I feel like the holidays is just one extended feast situation right (laughs) Um, and yeah so (laughs) amen to all of that I mean I think that's the counterculture piece too like we're trying to say that you are like we're celebrating at christmas the coming of god in the form of a body right and so it's like if we're going to celebrate the birth of jesus there's a, something about like even these simple foods like we're not talking we, i mean i we, we've talked about some elaborate meals but you know a sausage ball a buttermilk you know waffle these are like the treasured ingredients, you know, meat and butter and things that are rich. And it's like, it's, it's worthy of the day and to do it without guilt and full mm-hmm. appreciation for the ability even to have these foods in our lives and to not have it weighed down by the what have coulda, should have about what we're eating, you know, there's so much of that pressure. So I think I love that rhythm of feasting and fasting that we're given in our tradition to be able to think about it that way and when we feast we just feast (laughs) full stop enjoy you know i want to make sure we have a little bit of time to do a a review of this uh you know advent of the our podcast um this is our seventh podcast so we started in september and um, just wanted to kind of throw that open to folks before uh, we say in a loud voice, Merry Christmas. Um, but any reflections on the beginning of our podcast, which started out as an experiment, we passed out of the experiment stage. And, you know, we're speaking for myself, we're going to we're going to keep doing this. This is fun. Yeah, this is so fun. And I, you know, it's one of those things that I never feel like I have time to do, right? It's always like, oh, we got to do another episode. Okay, I can show up. But every time I show up, even if I'm completely unprepared, um, it's so rich and it's so nourishing in so many different ways. And I value these conversations, both with y'all and with our guests. Um, And I, I think, again, talking about rhythm, like it's just a reminder to me 
that these are the things that actually nourish us for all the work that we're so busy, like spinning around doing, right? And that um, coming around a virtual table or an actual table and talking about where we see God and how we see God in creation and, 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 you know, all the expressions of creation, food and animals and, you know, rocks and whatever, the sky, the atmosphere, all the different things um, and in each other really um, is so important and I think might be some of the most important things that we do Um, because I think it's what like I said what nourishes us and feeds us and gives us strength to do the rest of the work so I'm just super grateful for Brian especially because I told him early on when he was trying to get me to do this and I was like I can't do one more thing I said okay I'll do it but you have to like you have to keep poking me and reminding me <laughs> that we have to do this. So thank you, Brian, for being persistent, um, for continuing to poke me and remind me to show up and um, doing the legwork to get us all organized. I mean, I, I would echo all of that and say that the, the gift of this podcast for me has been the learning about how much more there is to know and learn about in the realm of of sustainable agriculture and food and how that intersects with our faith and being introduced to get happened on upon on my own like that's just been pure gift and it makes me want to just have much more time like i could just spend all my time in this world and be happy so (laughs) i feel that tension as well like you know we're all busy and yet um there is just more than enough to keep us occupied in this world and how life-giving it is and how hopeful I am about what you know, we'll continue to discover as we go forward. So in a, in a way, it's only increased my appetite for learning and seeing what's, what's happening across the country. Um, when we get together in person next year, it will be amazing. <laughs> I just, yes. um, you know, <laughs> the way you look forward to a feast I'm looking forward to that feast. Well, I'm excited about that last point about getting together because I know that um, the the Episcopalians, we all have to go to Baltimore at the same time next year. And lo and behold, our producer guy, um, the Presbyterian, is in Baltimore. So maybe we'll have to do some podcasting um, together um, when we can kind of elbow each other and hug each other. I'm looking forward to that. As am I, and you know, I will. I will say I have very much enjoyed uh, being on this end of the podcast, and even alongside, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I continue to feel like the Episcopal Church is kind of out in front of the food and faith conversation, and this this space has really been a place where we could highlight just the amazing work that is happening um, in your churches, in your, you know, uh, individual ministries, that that this is being something that's being supported top down, you know, throughout the denomination, and that there's a real passion for it. It just, it makes me so happy. Um, and, it, and it, and it makes me, um, you know, it, it's, it's making me light a fire under my denomination, which I'm actually really excited about that as well, that I'm, I'm now getting to write a month, uh, a bi-monthly food and faith article for the, for Presbyterians today. And I'm like, come on guys, we need to catch up. Um, but I, I just, I, I'm just, you know, I, I think that there've already been amazing guests. There are amazing guests yet to, mm-hmm. to speak to. And honestly, I, the more of these conversations we're having, the better. And I, I, I'm just so excited that um, that 
there's another food and faith podcast out there. It makes the world a better place. Well, on that note, I have to make sure we give a shout out um, to the food and faith podcast um, of which Derek's one of the co-hosts with Sam Camlin and Anna Wolfenden, um, because without their support and inspiration, we wouldn't be doing this. And uh, so all of you who are listening to our podcast, you got to go listen to their podcast, too, because uh, they're much better at it. Um, <laughs> no, nothing against Jerusalem. I don't, Jennifer, I don't know about all that. But they're, they're pretty awesome and inspirational. And um, <laughs> so glad that we get to share Derek with them. And um, that's that's been pretty special. So I have a couple of things as we wrap up, um, just a couple of announcements to make. One is that we are now officially a part of the Episcopal Church Podcast Network. Um, and so you can find us on the Episcopal Church podcast platforms, which also gets us on Spotify and a few other things. So we're really excited about that. It should make it easier for you to share it with your friends. Um, another thing is we are going to take a, we're going to model rest and a, a long winter's rest rest and and the season of rest and take a little break and so we will be back with you guys in your feed on the feast of the presentation also known as candlemas which has one of my um, favorite food tradition which is tamales so google that and find out that is a tradition in mexico a food tradition around candlemas in mexico so um, we are really looking forward to being back with you guys uh, there is going to be news coming about how you can maybe join us in person and Baltimore in July of 2022 um, as we're all together. So stay tuned for that information as well coming soon. And just a reminder that we are, you can find us most days hanging out on the Agrarian Ministries, have the Episcopal Church Facebook page. You can always email us show ideas or questions at spade, spoon, soul podcast at gmail. And um, thanks again to our producer, Derek, to Ryan Lee, our groovy musician for our theme song, to the multi-talented Jay Sidebotham who did our art, and to the Good News Gardens initiative of the Episcopal Church, who is our first sponsor. All right, team. Well, until next time, we hope that all of you have a, a really wonderful holiday season. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we hope that in the days to come, you will find a way to connect your soul to your spade or your spoon or both. Take care, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Merry Christmas.